and welcome to Workers' Power Comrades uh, with Jackson and Bill and I don't have the starting thing in front of me. It's okay, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, welcome to uh, an, another episode of uh, Workers' Power. Um, we, we've, uh, first off, that song was called, what's the title of that song? Uh, the worker, yeah, by the party doesn't by the party doesn't. I had to, I had to pinch that from uh, unnecessary knowledge's uh, uh, files. So uh, we had to get when I spotted the worker. I've got to play that here on our show. Um, uh, thanks to Zlines, um, um, another crop getting getting better at their trade. It's fantastic to to see, and also to the ever wonderful art cart. Always, uh, always bringing the goods and and pinching our songs. Um, so yeah, we're in for another week of workers' power. Uh, first off, we we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land uh, which we uh, broadcast the the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognitions reparations and land rights we live and benefit on stolen land it's time to pay the rent now we'll, we'll just rip straight into uh oh first off i'll say we've got an exciting show lined up i'll quickly say that uh, we've got uh, comrades from uh, anti-poverty network coming in uh, to talk they're organizing the international working women's day on saturday and we're we're going to talk talk to them about why uh, anti-poverty network are running an International Working Women's Day. So we'll find out all about that. Also, I recorded a, 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 an interview uh, with the with uh, Deborah Jordan um, last night from uh, Brisbane Labor History Association and that uh, we're, we're going to be uh, talking about the um, the suffragette movement. She, she's got a... And uh, there was a... A, a, a Brisbane um, newspaper by by the Labor movement that uh, um, was quite successful. But uh, as we always do here on our Workers' Power, we're going to talk some uh, First Nations workers' action, and uh, oh, even tied in with a little bit of our agitate, educate, organise, because I went out to Deeping Creek yesterday and said hello to comrades and um, you, you know see how they go and the place is looking wonderful they've got all these lovely gardens out there and um, you know they they there there's um, there's people living out there now you know and uh, um, so it's it's a wonderful thing and the, the garden the gardening is coming along great and and what they uh, are working to achieve is to create a market garden. Oh, right. yeah, cool. I'll be buying all once they get it set up. I've said, look, I, you know, I'll, I'll come out here because it's it's, a, it's about two suburbs away from me. And I, I once once they got off, I'll I'll go down there once a week and buy whatever I can because you know you can't you can't beat that you know fresh farm growth and 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 it's only travelled a couple of kilometres to your kitchen rather than a couple of thousand kilometres that that, that our current produce uh, travels. So um, and. You're supporting First Nations working workers uh, standing up and fighting back and creating something for themselves. So, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing that. And uh, th- what, what, what they're doing regularly is uh, they, they will 
uh, uh, nearly every Saturday there's a working bee, or every, I'll say every other Saturday there's a working bee, and um, where they they uh, have jobs lined up for volunteers who can help out, and mainly it's it's things like digging dirt and, and moving moving uh, um, weeds. You know that, that that'll be what you're doing out there. So. Um, comrades uh, who 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 uh, want to want to get involved, um, yeah, head on out. You can even get in contact with us. I'll, I'll meet you out there myself. You know, if you if you're a bit uh, wary of, uh, uh, you know, you don't know anyone, I'll, I'll meet you out the front. I'll introduce you introduce your comrades. So you can get in touch with us on uh, our our Facebook pages back. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and uh, uh, they they will hold uh, regular movie nights. They had a movie night a couple of weeks ago, which I was in att- attendance. Um, and, and and it's it's well it's all about agitate educate organise isn't it you know and uh, um, so uh, and I, I ask them what they need and I'm going to be working on this because what they need out there is water mm. and uh, you, you, yeah if you've got a garden you need a water don't you so uh, they rely on tank water. So I am going to be focusing in on trying to, whether I have to do a fundraiser or something, I think I'll, I should be able to start off with 50 bucks or something, but we'll see how we go. I might ask uh, those that are, that are in powers of, uh, places of privilege to help out and uh, we'll see if we can get, get them some water in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's happening kind of out at Diving Creek at the moment. And if our listeners want to find out more, where should they look? Now the place to go is uh, Workers Power for Triple Z. No, no, uh, <laughs> it's I'll look up the the name. I'll I'll, okay. I'll, I'll give while that. While you're doing that, I'll read out the other piece of First Nations Workers Action, uh, which we have from Kabi Dreaming. Because uh, the Cubby Guardians, this is an update from the 27th of February, the Cubby Guardians are continuing to work in the spirit of the Wiritjin at Jockey Kundu Sacred Site. Walking sticks drying by the fire and tribal law and knowledge is upheld to prevent the Cubby Seven Sisters and Wirra Water Spirit Dreaming from being destroyed. At this sacred site, which connects all over the, this continent and beyond, uh, we are not deterred from. St- I'm just. Uh, we are not deterred from standing up for country by the erection of fences to the north. No laws can be made to prevent the exercise of the free exercise of Kabi spiritual and re- religious practice, or the genocide of Kabi or any other First Nations peoples. And then I'm going to read that one from the 28th of February. Banya law gatherings continued today at Jockey Kundu, Sacred Sisters 7 and Water Spirit Dreaming Site. After 1.30am on, on the 1st of March, a drone buzzed above the camp at Jockey Kundu, as well as invading the privacy of guardians at Jockey Kundu. A drone solo amongst the trees is a safety concern. Police claimed they can do nothing, that is, that it is an aviation matter, and when asked if they would attend if a drone fell on someone's head, the police said no. Susan Lay, uh, who is the um, <coughs> oh, sorry, I just, just Minister for Transport, I believe, 
um, has not yet finished her de deliberations, but we are not confident the construction companies will not try to destroy the site regardless, as the drones were flown from the construction company yard on Rocky Ridge Road, and we were alerted to heavy machinery which has been moved in from the south, disturbing close to Gympie Connection Road. Come join us to protect the country in the spirit of the Wirritjin. And if you're unable to join them in person, they also have a GoFundMe, which you can uh, donate to. Um, and you could possibly find that somewhere on their Facebook page. I'm not sure where, though, but I will also share it on our own Facebook page. That is Workers Power for Triple Z. Good stuff. And uh, the, one of the pages that you can find out details in, in Deeping Creek uh, for Deeping Creek is Justice for Deeping Creek. Um, yeah, that's one of the many that it, uh, that, that uh, you can find out more details. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it looks really nice out there. There's, um, not only is there, um, like practical gardens with food, there's some, some really nice, uh, like, uh, uh, and, and it looks, it looks like there's all native plants and, but there's nice, like, uh, if you would, if you were a sitting garden. You know, a garden that you'd go and you'd sit and relax and we'll have a right. picnic or something like that. It's only there's only a couple of small areas, there, but they're really really nice and it's just really relaxing out there. You know, and uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend comrades to to make the effort to get out there and uh, there'll be more coming out there because they're trying to trying to build build a, um, a train line within twenty meters of a cemetery. Mm. You so know? is that like the current thing, and they've moved on from the um, what was it like a department store they were building? Or no, no, they still it's still all there in the works. It's oh, okay. uh, I, I, there's just more. <laughs> personally, I think that the the focus has been on on um, championing the the train line because everyone wants it. They all want you know, like I, I'm talking about you know the the general greater community. Yeah, we all out want there. more public. Yeah, we all want infrastructure. Transport. Yeah, we yeah. want public transport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I want more public transport here. You know, it's dreadful public transport here in Brisbane, um, but you know, not Definitely not at the not the expense yeah. of uh, First Nations culture. You know, and uh, it's a cemetery. You know, for God's sakes, and twenty building a train station within twenty meters of it. You know, I'm sure our CFMEU uh, comrades. Uh, I, 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 they try their best, of course, you know, like, uh, you know, but uh, I, I'm sure that they will attest that uh, a building site within 20 metres of a cemetery isn't, isn't going to end well, hmm. um, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, well, they're out there and it, it's going to be a, a fight. There's going to be a fight, you know. I, I can see that and, you know, I'll, I'll probably be a part of it as well, you know. I don't want to see... Um, uh, you know all, all this uh, infrastructure at the uh, at the price of uh, you know First Nations culture, and also the way that they go about uh, out there at Ipswich, right? What they do, they, these new sites and this new there's a there's a, a particular zone at Ripley there. You know, it's all in around there. It's earmarked for residential development, so it's the biggest residential development area in in the country, just about. I'm pretty sure. But what they do is they come in and and they bulldoze the ground they take every single tree down gone they go down to dirt and then this is the i've only noticed this through observing you know like this is just my observations then what they'll do and this is this baffles me they'll build a hill right yeah. 
so that they can fit two or three more properties under the under the place. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there's more land area, you know, and they built hills, you know, and uh, they moved dirt around and and um, and it's dreadful, you know. They're like, you know, if. Like maybe this is this phrase I'm about to use is an oxymoron, but surely there could be some sustainable development, you know? Or it could be better. <laughs> it could be better, hmm, you know. Like, um, and leave some of those, you know, some of those trees there. Yeah, and there's all quite. Like, I've seen yeah, a one place. of the best things about Brisbane is all the greenery around it, in my opinion. Mm. And if you just get rid of that, then you're basically getting rid of one of the only good things about this city. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's, there's some really, you know, great bush out there, you know, and it, it, it's thick and, and it's it's relative, even though it, it, most of the um, bush that we've got left here in the country is, is pretty much regrowth, you know, because mm. the colonials came through and chopped down every big tree that they could get their hand on. Um, but uh, it's 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 recovered and and there's you know there's koalas there's there's habitat you know out there so and and that's part of the 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 struggle that First Nations workers do they 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 care for the for for the land and that mm. includes the you know the inhabitants of the land so yeah it's our role to stand uh, stand in solidarity and yeah I was up to that out there and uh, more to come more to come. Before we move on to an interview with our good friends at the Anti-Poverty Network, it is the first week of the month, which means we have our monthly interview with the Brisbane Labour History Association. This time it is a pre-recorded interview with Deborah, uh, and we, she will be talking about the suffragette movement. Yeah, um, and how uh, Brisbane had a, a, um, a, a successful uh, workers' newspaper. Um, so yeah, it was it, it, as an intro. It was quite hard on Zoom last night, but I think I've managed to edit it out so that we've uh, uh, edited it so that we we've got uh, across what uh, Deborah was trying the story Deborah was trying to tell us. So uh, yeah, I reckon you go to it. Yeah, and here we go. Uh, Hi, uh, and you're on Workers Power, and I'm joined by uh, I'm Bill, and I'm joined by uh, Deborah Jordan from. Brisbane Labor History Association, and I, I, I would hazard to guess you you wear another couple of hats, Deborah. Could you uh, give the listeners a, a bit of uh, your background? Okay, my background is first of all in history and trained as a historian, and lived in South Australia for quite a while, uh, where I worked for the Bureau of Meteorology for a bit, um, and then shifted to Queensland in about '95, and since then been. Uh, doing all kinds of mostly research at um, different for different people at UQ, and then working on the the suffrage campaign in Queensland. Bit exciting. Nobody's done much about it. Two thousand and five was the centenary of suffrage. There's still huge gaps in our understanding of working women's contribution. Uh, uh, can can you uh, let us maybe fill in a gap or two for us? Look, I think everybody, so when it was done down south, everybody in Queensland was probably out fighting Bjelke Peterson, so it didn't really happen much. But what happened, so in Queensland, Queensland's very exciting and like it's 1890s, 1880s, the same time as the Labor movement starts to emerge as a great force in Queensland, it's the great struggle about the right for every person to have a vote. And, uh, of course, in Queensland, you've got this polarised community with 
the property vote, which means if a man's rich enough, he can have as many votes as owns property, and you have a nominated upper house for life peerage, like they're almost like royalty. And of course, women women don't have the vote, and explicit explicitly excluded. So same as people of colour, and and I and there are a lot of men disenfranchised franchise too because they haven't lived in the same place for six months they're out shearing or out they're out mining or whatever so a lot of people disenfranchised as well as the women and the big thing about queensland of course is this the the, the women the labor women the working women in queensland uh take leadership of the women's movement it's quite clear you know in the 1890s so they're the ones who get the vote for everyone and they and they talk about one woman one vote and what they mean is none of this stuff about plural voting for property so if you're a rich woman you don't get two votes you only get one vote it's a big thing and in some other countries you know the middle class women or the rich women got the vote not not the working women but in queensland it was all all took a bit longer but they got it and when they got the vote a whole heap of disenfranchised men Got the vote as well. A rising tide lifts all ships. Quite, quite important, Queensland. Now, you've been working yes, on something. That's right. You, you've been working on something quite interesting, um, and, and that's how uh, the labour movement was attempting uh, to uh, establish uh, uh, daily newspapers in every state before World War One. What was the women's involvement in that? So, so. There was all these quite really strong Labor women who, in the 1890s, who organised the vote for Queensland in uh, 1905. So I followed them through and I thought, what, well, what were they doing a bit later? And, and in Queensland, they were, it's a smaller place than down south, so they don't have their own women's newspaper like some of the suffrage newspapers in, in New South Wales or um, in Victoria. So, so it's interesting to see what they were doing and where they were. And if you look in the, there was a widespread network of um, people in, involved in the labour movement in the what they call the working political organisations, kind of like at a branch level. But a lot of women were at that level. They weren't so much in the unions because the unions were mostly male dominated, but they were there in the, on the on the, you know, the labour movement level across the state. And what happens is. There's a big move nationally to get a daily uh, Labor newspaper because they they know that the, the, the conservative press never tells the, the, the right story. Like they don't, they're not getting the publicity or the story they need in the papers. And um, so in in Sydney they set up this huge thing and they're going to put a, a, a levy on every single union member in the AWU and the Shearers Union, and they raise a huge amount of money. But then what happens is. They set up a branch in Queensland to do it, and it's the women. They set up a bazaar committee to run a bazaar. Now, I was thinking about this. So it's not just an ordinary little market. It's, it goes for about 10, 11 days. <laughs> so they raise a huge amount of money, and they've got this pool of money sitting there for the Commonwealth National Paper. And then what happens is the general strike in Queensland, which is the most amazing thing. So first, you know, the the first general strike in the world in Queensland, in Brisbane. And there's more stories there. But so the, so the general strike produces a daily newspaper just like that because they've got to organise, so they have a daily paper put out. And immediately after that, 
they set up a committee to form a, a daily labour paper in Queensland and the women already have a pool of money, you know, set aside for the national paper and they give it to them. Here it is and off they go. So the women are, are bang right there fundraising for this new uh, Labor paper. And, of course, Emma Miller's right there too because she wants a uh, Labor paper. You know, they, just, they have a dream to have it's a, finding a voice for the Labor people. It's, it's you know, it's, it's kind of like you think about this Facebook stuff and you think, well, why don't we just get our own? And that's what they were up to. They were getting their own. And so in Queensland they set up the Daily Standard in 19, 1912. Labor Daily newspaper, and it was it, it was um, they employed staff. They had built the buildings. They and it was it was a very powerful newspaper for I think about thirty years in Queensland. Wonderful thing, and the, the one in Sydney didn't ever happen because the war came along and the mining industry, whatever. And in there was there, there was a good one in South Australia as well, but in Hobart it didn't happen. In West Australia it didn't happen. They were all too slow because the war came along and it all fell apart. But in Queensland it kept going all through that period of. Um, so in some ways, you know, with the conscription campaign, the censorship was so severe. They had two censors sitting in the Daily Standard office, censoring the newspaper. Incredible. That was, you know, after Hughes, Billy Hughes came on. But the women were right there at the beginning and they and they worked with, you know, this bizarre, this committee, you know, this fair, this show every year. They raised money and they pushed and they pushed and they were there at the meetings. Hmm. So what was really interesting about that Commonwealth level, the Sydney paper, uh, they had the past prime ministers, you know, and all the politicians Petitions lined up to support it, and then there's this groundswell, this movement of people organising and going out and talking to people to get this paper up and going. And in a sense, the, the politicians were too ambitious. They didn't, they didn't want to go ahead till they had a huge amount of money raised because they were a bit scared it might all fall down. But when there was a general strike, it just rolled over into it. So, so the, as you say in the beginning, you know, it emerged from the, the grassroots movement and happened, whereas in Sydney it didn't happen because they delayed and they delayed and they wanted bigger and better. They built, a, I think, an eight-storey building in Sydney with this money they raised, but they never produced a paper, you know, until much later and then it was all way too late because all the competition, all the conservative newspapers had got up and going and... Uh, Yes, so they had this. Um, so, it, it, in a way, it's kind of the timing was really critical. We had to go with the momentum. The leadership had to follow the momentum. That's how I see it, anyway, to get these things in place. Um, and and it was they were all working for it, but just, then they had to take the risk and step up and do it. it was, um, and they did in Queensland, daily standard. And Emma Miller always said, uh, arm, arm to the teeth and ready for any emergency, not just a, an emergency, any emergency. So they were ready. They were waiting in the wings and they, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, uh, we're waiting in the wings here on Workers' Power, I can tell you that. Uh, um, and and uh, we, we are here on the show. Yeah. Um, we, we feel so, so strongly about it that um, uh, International uh, uh, Women's Day turned into a whole month for us. So thank you for, for, for being a part of it. 
Have have you yeah. had any interaction with Four Triple Z in the past? So in two thousand and um, we two thousand nine, I think it was. We digitalised those suffrage petitions, and uh, I, I think I talked about those a bit. So so the suffrage petitions, we wanted to. They had three of them. One was uh, one was for men, and one was for women in the labour movement, and. Uh, they, they were pretty extraordinary and they, they collected all those signatures and the, we found the petitions, but, of course, we don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's quite lovely and because they used to send out a coupon and have it in the worker newspaper that you could fill in your name and send it back to the petition. So it was quite interesting to track what happened to those petitions in Parliament and that was another interface where the momentum of the people wanted the vote but the politicians weren't quite ready and uh, that was all delayed because the politicians filibustered that bill and so the, the, the Labor women were quite knowledgeable about it and they thought they had the numbers in Parliament the time they pre presented the petition. But what happened was uh, at that stage they filibustered the bill, which means they talk and talk and talk and talk and it goes down to the bottom, doesn't get passed, has to come back next month or something. And by that time, the Conservatives had rolled over, got rid of the Liberals, or there was a couple of people who would have voted for the, the, the bill. So that that was all delayed. Uh, and when the Conservative women in the Women's Christian Union got together, they also got together a petition, which we've digitalised uh, as well, but they had no idea. They just gave it to Parliament, the petition, and nothing happened. Like it was extraordinary. So it's quite the, the Labor movement was quite knowledgeable about working with getting the decisions pushed through. Yeah. So the, the women were quite understood about the process. Yeah, whereas the conservative women didn't. It was quite, it was quite bizarre. And they got no press at all for these petitions. So. Quite, quite often in activism we, we hear about the term critical, critical mass. Do, do, can, can you tell me when, when you feel that the, the women uh, started to uh, gain that and did that lead to, to, um, to the general strike? Yes. So women in the unions was always quite bearable, but there, there were quite a lot of women in, in their own unions. They needed the vote so badly because they were just ignored totally by the parliaments, by any decision-making body, because they were just ignored with, as being no vote. So they had to get the vote. They knew that. Uh, the momentum was huge. Like it was, uh, it was built up through everything. Like it was, they claimed everything was theirs. So any small achievement about women getting a first job in the public service or getting swimming, bathing rights or it was all seen as part of the women's movement, which they claimed, you know. And so it was quite, and I think the momentum must have been huge. Uh, and when they got the petitions, it was a bit like a, uh, they could say, you know, there's 10,000 women want the vote here, you know, they, and the politician could say, them, well, nobody, no woman wants to vote, you know, so they, well, no woman wants. So it was quite interesting. They had the, had the two, they did have the two wars in the war against getting justice in equal pay. Now, equal pay battle, that was put on the back burner a bit. And I think what happened is, you know, the, the women got the vote but, and then they started to organise in the unions, but then then the war 
all came along and the whole situation changed again and became much more difficult for the women to organise. And what you get, of course, is, you know, that all the women went into the Red Cross as unpaid volunteers. It was, it's terrible to think about. And the soldiers got paid, you know. It's like and nobody could really say anything. It's such a terrible situation, you know. You can't really say, pay me, I'm a, I'm a nurse. Some of them did, you know. There's small struggles. We want proper pay as nurses. But the volunteer Red Cross were huge. They were, you know, they huge. So that's what I mean about the conservative leadership of the women's movement. It all collapsed, how I see it, during the war. Look, I think, I think you know, being an older person now myself, it's really important to, uh, look, I think it's hard, you know, and you must feel it too, working in radio, like with the, with, with the media, and the newspapers, it's quite, it's a little, it's a slightly different strategy you need than, you know, solidarity and numbers. So they got the vote through being really solid and having the numbers. And they used to, you know, really look after the male politicians so they would get the vote, would vote them in, you know. But with with the newspaper, it needs to be much more open and, you know, you, can, you need to have diversity and different opinions in, in media, if you, if, if you know what I mean. And that's what I think. And the the papers that was why the Daily Standard was successful was they got a guy in who could who was the editor and he could you know cope with a little bit of dissent. It wasn't always following the party line in the newspaper. They had a bit of debate going on, and I think with the women's the women's suffrage movement, there wasn't much debate. They wanted to they had a goal and they were quite strategic about what they did. But, but in the in the newspaper, you need, need to do slightly different things to keep it up and going. Yeah. You're listening to Four Triple Z with Bill and Jackson. Uh, what workers' power on Four Triple Z? There's a big rally on Saturday. Oh. All right. So um, we, we we're joined today by uh, our guests uh, um, Jaden and Calypso. Welcome, comrades. Hello. Thanks for having us back. We're very excited to be here. It's awesome. Now, the, you're both from Anti Poverty Network, as are Jackson and I. We're, we're you're still a member of Anti Poverty. Technically a member. We're still members, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, the Anti Poverty Network has um, stepped up and is organising uh, International Working Women's Day on Saturday. Now, first off, I'm going to ask the question: Why would an organisation like Anti-Poverty Network organised International Working Women's Day? Well, I'm very glad you asked, Bill. We're joining with Feminist Action on this rally that's going to be happening on the 8th of March at 1pm, King George Square. Please come. Poverty is a feminist issue. It affects women uh, differently from the rest of the population. And at the moment, there's been some horrible announcements regarding the job seeker payments and in response to that we're going to be throwing this international working women's day rally speaking out about how the job seeker changes are going to affect women and uh everything that's going to come as a result from that if we don't stand up and do something to change it 
That's right. And uh, so, uh, uh, Jaden, you could probably help me out with this one. Is What what, what are the organisations that are involved uh, at the moment? So at this point we've got uh, speakers from Anti-Poverty Network, Queensland Feminist Action and uh, Catherine Wilkes from No Cashless Debit Card Australia is going to come and speak. Um, that's the speakers we got so far. We're still I, looking for... I can announce another speaker. Please do. There's Hannah from Workers Power is going to be one of the speakers. Oh, that's fantastic. Right. Yeah, yeah, so uh, we're, we're very honoured to be contributing to that. So, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, it's uh, so the, the, the day's talking, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the question I'm looking for? You, you, you're looking to talk about the, the full struggle rather than focusing in on, on, one, on one or two issues. There, there, there's a big broader, broader campaign, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's also meant to, yeah, it's meant to be like you know um, building links with like the feminist movement, but also like drawing. It's also meant to be like a reaction to the cuts that just came in uh, last week, and also the rise of mutual obligations that are going to be coming in as of the first of April. So we felt it's important to have have a presence at that. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. And uh, let, let's go over it again. Where, where where's the event being held? King King George Square. King George Square at one p.m. Please bring a mask. Right, I, I think that uh, very soon we'll, we'll be going to a track and then we've got the news, but I, I reckon you two should hang around. We've we'll, got to talk some more. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, we're not going to do workers' action today. I think we should uh, continue the conversation about this, uh, especially in the light of... Uh, We've got, uh, you know, we've mentioned we're celebrating International Working Women's Day. Well, here on uh, Workers' Power, we, we decided to do a whole month of it. So we had sex workers on, on last week. Um, we've, we've got yourselves uh, here talking about the uh, International Working Women's Day rally and uh, Anti-Poverty Network's uh, great work uh, standing up and fighting back for women. Next week, we've got... Now, who have I organised that? Hannah and special guest Nadine will be hosting. Um, we've got we've got confirmed. We've got uh, CPSU comrades coming in, which is uh, CPSU is great to have them to, because the, the, these are industries that that are uh, uh, and the next one I'm going to mention. These are industries that not only the workers are predominantly women, but the people that they're looking for after are predominantly women. And the other one that I've organised, and this one I'm excited about, I've got a rank-and-file QNMU member who works in aged care. And they're coming on next week because that's... Uh, uh, yeah, the, in aged care, it's, it's disproportionately women, mainly because you live a bit longer is one of the main reasons, they say. Um, but... Uh, but uh, but the and the industry is also predominantly women, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect thing to be talking about. How, how sounds like a good lineup? Absolutely, I'm excited. There's a national day of action coming on. Just as a segue, um, you, you comrades uh, know anything about that? It's actually a national week of action. Week. Um, so the Living Incomes for Everyone Coalition, who APN has uh, is, has been a part of for about a year now, is doing a week of action around Centrelink. So each day is going to be dedicated towards a different issue. So Monday is going to be a digital sort of action um, around like unsafe 
um, for like low paid workers. Tuesday is going to be like pester a politician day, so um, a bunch of people in the campaign are going to be going to Canberra to tr- like sort of talk to politicians, primarily about cashless welfare card. Wednesday and Thursday is going to be like I guess having like um, doing actions outside sort of private corporations who are benefiting off welfare. So you know things like job networks and uh, places like Indu. So on Thursday morning at nine a.m., uh, we along with uh, Catherine uh, No Cashless Debit Card Australia are going to be having a protest outside Indu. Um, you know, sort of, you know, trying to draw attention to you know the uh, the um, cashless welfare card, which is you know is. Um, you know, already inflate, um, making, um, poverty so much worse, and, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be, we're aiming to do something outside one of the job networks, maybe Serena Rosso in support of the campaign, but we're still trying to figure out the details. Yeah, it's a, it's a few weeks away, but, uh, we'll, we'll keep comrades up to date once things have been finalised, so that's, what's the week of it, March? Uh, 14th to the 19th. March fourteenth to nineteenth. Now I've noticed that there's there's been a rally planned in, in just been announced in Melbourne. Now I've got a scoop here for you, comrades. Right, I'm going to scoop. Um, Rafu is part of life as well. Right, you're 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 a Rafu member, and I am part of Rafu. Well, well done, comrade. And uh, um, the secretary's been making inquiries about it, and uh, at last time my secretary was making inquiries, um, we helped out by organising the uh, Perth event. So that could be a scoop. It could be fully national, hopefully. So that'd be uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, Rafu's uh, been a part of that. You'd be happy to know Rafu's been a part of uh, APN and and uh, um, the the uh, life campaign from. From very early days, very early days. So, uh, yes, that's what uh, 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 Rafu members do. They stand up, fight back. Now, uh, Catherine Wilkes is is one of the organisers of that on the Endure. And now uh, she's also speaking at the at the rally. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, why do you think? Uh, probably similar question to to why APN should be involved. But uh, what? Why should uh, someone who's campaigning uh, uh, against, uh, you know, no cashless welfare be involved with uh, International Working Women's Day? That's because poverty is a feminist issue. Um, There are lots of different expenses that women experience and there's been these new announcements to JobSeeker and that's why APN's getting involved with International Working Women's Day. Many people may have heard of the raise that the government's announced the raise to job seeker but i think we should call it what it is it's not a raise it's a cut because it will actually be much less than what we've been receiving over the past 12 months due to covid it's only uh three dollars and 57 cents more than what it was uh the pre-covid supplement and also sort of to answer your question about like why we have Catherine Wilkes because like you know the cashless welfare card is affecting a lot of like women who are in these regions like they can't get out of DV situations so it's really just compounding the issue there that 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 is a big issue because if you if you don't have cash and, and yeah and you're in a DV situation you can't there's yeah yeah oh, I'm I'm getting a bit upset here. Sorry, um, but it is. It's very detrimental to to a lot of people. This cashless welfare card. Yeah, historically, women have had their finances controlled by men throughout all of history, and the cashless welfare card does just that. It treats people in poverty like children and controls what they're allowed to spend their finances on. Um, 
So it's particularly offensive to women who've always been fighting for financial autonomy. Yeah, and then you you, you look to, uh, you know, those that are going to probably, you know, one could one could infer those that are going to suffer the most are, are the children in these families. And the one that breaks my heart and anything... In, in, in a, I had a really tough time at school. You know, I, you know, I was it was it was really really difficult, and um, you know, coming from a, a background of poverty and stuff like that. And not only have you got that to deal with, but you've got the way that you're perceived by your peers and things like that, i.e., schoolyard bullying and things like that. If you can't afford to go on a school excursion, you, you lose friends because of it. You lose social standing because of it. You're absolutely right. And that's not the only thing that people may not be able to afford with the cashless welfare card. In the trials they've done in Queensland, in rural Queensland, there's a lot of children and families that can afford their children to get involved with sport events because it's all cash to pay for sport uniforms and sport equipment. So those children are being excluded. They can't even buy food from the canteen a a lot of the time. And uh, like uh, I, I know this from experience that you there's also there's music, you've got to so if you say you want to you know you're in, in in primary school age or state school here in in Queensland uh, um, and you want to play the violin, you, you, the, the schools have actually got a higher charge on that, you know and and all these things a lot of you know some schools you can pay on the card but there are some schools that they're just not set up to accept the card. Many schools in Queensland do not accept FPOS payments for extras like extracurriculars, music, sport. And just to add to that, with the card, a lot of places will actively not take like the cashless welfare card because like uh, the, you know, Murdoch Press and the LNP have done so well at sort of framing it as like the druggy card. And so it has this yeah. stigma attached to it. So a lot of people won't actually, a lot of like businesses or schools won't actually want to, you know, accept the cashless welfare card because it could affect their like reputation. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Well, we, we, I'm I'm proud to say that uh, what the way that I got I, the way that I got involved with APN is is a really really good story because uh, comrades used to go out to and the, and you've started this back up again. Comrades used to go out to Woodridge uh, every Tuesday, and uh, Rafu had just started, and I was out there doing doing the solidarity thing that Rafu does, and uh, got in a, a conversation with a young uh, First Nations woman. And she would, at this stage, I think she was on basics card, right? But a similar kind of thing, of course. And she was telling me how you couldn't use it at, at Aldi. Now, I remember a, a time when, when my pam, family, I couldn't find work for a couple of years and stuff like that. And, and, and we, we, we were, uh, um, you know, we, 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 we weren't as well off as what we would have liked, I'll put it that way, right? And our, um, our payday was basically Aldi first, Coles next, Woolworths. We used to go wherever we could get it cheap. And I was heartbroken that this young woman couldn't couldn't shop at at at, at, at Aldi. That was it was terrible. Um, you know, have you got uh, any more stories that kind of relate to, to to that kind of effect? Yeah, absolutely. So Woolworths and Coles stand to benefit from the widespread implementation of the cashless welfare card because the cashless welfare card is able to be used at those stores but not small businesses or corner stores. So you may not be able to run down to the corner store for some milk. That's right. And uh, 
I, I remember. I'm, it's, the memories are flowing now, comrades. Wasn't there a uh, at Woodridge? Wasn't there a second-hand white goods business that was supporting us? Yep, that wouldn't be able to be used. Yeah, that yeah, and they were that. So they realised, and so rather than spending say two hundred dollars on a second-hand washing machine, you've got to go and, and get finance through the what, what what do they call it the the uh, you lease you lease it you know if you're poor and you, you know and you you haven't got two hundred dollars cash on you you're going to lease it and end up paying these exorbitant interest rates so it was really really good to 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 see some of the uh, smaller businesses uh, get involved and get get active uh, so uh while we're mentioning woodridge can you um mention what you're uh, up to out there um, so we've been going out there every second Tuesday um, and sort of doing, like, the standard Centrelink store, so, you know, talking to people about, you know, Centrelink or the job networks. But we've also do- had a more a very heavy mutual aid focus, so we're sort of taking everyday items that people in poverty re- uh, rely on. Toothbrushes, toothpaste, sanitary items, hand sanitizer, socks, underpants, uh, food staples, that sort of thing, and just sort of giving them out uh, for free, um, you know, uh, which is, you know, alleviates the uh, cost for, like, some of the cost for, you know, people struggling. Is there anything else I'm forgetting there, Calypso? I just wanted to add that deodorant is expensive. A lot of people don't think of it as a luxury, but if it costs nine bucks for a bottle of deodorant, are you going to buy that or are you going to buy food? That's right. And then and then it goes on to, I'll, I'll, I'll use a capitalist term here, but anyhow, employability. You know, like if you can't afford deodorant, you, you know, like you, there's another star off your employability, you know, so and make it even harder to, to, to find work. I'm really glad you raised that, Bill, because on the job seeker raises, but going back to that again, the government says that it's a motivation for people to find jobs if they pay them this ridiculous income. But that's not true and the government knows it. If you can't afford transport, how are, how are jobs going to hire you? Mm. If you can't afford your phone credit, if you can't afford nice clothes, you're less likely to get employed. The government doesn't actually care about giving you a job. They don't, they don't care about that. They just want to pay you the minimum amount and keep you in poverty. And that's what this new cut to Job Seeker is all about. Yeah, I think while we're on this, it might be worth sort of uh, bringing up mutual obligations because, like, for ages they've been signalling, you know, any raise to job seeker is going to come with like, you know, uh, an increase to mutual obligation. And we're definitely starting to see that now. Like a lot of it's going back to like the pre-coronavirus uh, like uh, mutual obligations. So, you know, in a couple of months we're going to go, uh, you know, people on um, the mainstream are going to go back to twenty jobs a fortnight. Um, yeah, and. Um, basically, I think that's one thing like we need to be really focusing on nationally because like, I think so much uh, attention has been you know put into the raise array campaign, which you know a raise and the way I, the way we see it in APN Queensland is look a raise to job seeker is great, but it doesn't really mean much if they can just uh, if job networks can just cut you off for virtually any reason they want, or they can stick you on cashless welfare card. Now. I want to uh, talk talk to Calypso and, and so just to ask. Uh, so, um, you 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 look. I I can um, uh, now you, you, a lot like most Woolworths workers, where you don't uh, you don't um, earn enough to survive. And 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 do do you get uh, supplements from? Um, do you collect? Uh, 
New Start or Youth Allowance? Yeah, I'm on Job Seeker at the moment. So, so yeah, and what I was getting at, and I'm sorry to ask such a personal question, but what I, what I, can you draw, describe your experiences with mutual obligations, bearing in mind that you're a worker, you've got a job. It's it's not your fault that your employer is not giving you enough hours, you know. It's it, it's not your fault, you know. You, you. Um, so how how does that affect you in your life? Absolutely. Well, there's also a whole lot of other people in the exact same boat as me uh, who have low-paying jobs in retail or fast food work who are on job seeker because it's not enough. And the mutual obligations are suffocating. They have these appointments, these phone appointments that they call, your job agent calls you, and if you miss them, you get cut off your payments. And you have to sit and wait with your phone to make sure you don't miss that call. And sometimes they can call you really late. So you could just be sitting around for hours, but you can't miss that phone call. But but what if you, you, you say, say your, bo- your retail boss gives you a call and, and says, hey, I've got another shift today. You reckon you could come in and do an extra shift this week? If, if, if you've got a, one of these phone appointments, do you have to make the decision between the two? Sometimes, yes. Well, so literally taking money out of your pocket. Yes, 100%. The mutual obligations blatantly only exist to give job agents a reason to cut off or suspend your payments. It's not to encourage getting a job. The job agents make so much money every year by keeping you in poverty. Um, you know, they get, like, thousand little for every person they can keep and also, like, more if they can get them into, like, their activities, so, like, job club and all, like, all that sort of thing, which just me uh, do absolutely nothing to, except, like, yeah, go over things that are pretty much common sense, like, you know, things that things that you need to learn uh, that I've been told that you need to arrive on time uh, when you have a job. I feel like, you know, most people get that. But also the more uh, a much more sinister thing here is, like, you, uh, there's actually been a lot of cases of job networks actually hassling like uh, new employers and actually getting workers fired from those jobs. They have to go back to the job network system. Yeah, I I, I once had a, a bad experience when I, I finally um, found a job and you know worked my way out of. It was a good job too, and uh, you know so I'd worked my way out of poverty and and I'd started this job and and and. Um, I was waiting for my last uh, 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 dole payment. Oh, sorry, I'm old school. I still use that term. Um, I was waiting for my last dole payment because I needed that for transport, right? And uh, it got cut. They cut it. And I, I was fully entitled. I, look, look. I think you comrades know me. I'm, I I do the research. I know what I'm entitled, what my rights are. And I knew I was in what I knew down to the dollar amount what they owed me and they were like how did you work that out and i go well you know the same way you're going to work it out you know uh and uh they cut it off and um i i, I made a a really really big deal about it this was a long long time ago right and i made a huge deal about it i ended up the uh the the uh, the head of uh of the ipswich centrelink region right of the two ones there gave me a call and i was talking to them and it wasn't and he he was an advocate for me in the end um he realized that that, that the system had failed me and uh that was when um, and that was part. He was a big part of the change of where you know how you get your uh, your points. You, you've got two hundred points. It used to be two hundred. That's all you got. 
Now it's, what, 10,000 or something, is it, Jaden? Points of identification. No, points of... Uh, um, you accumulate uh, uh, um, points so that when you get a job, yeah. you still get paid. You oh. still get paid from Centrelink. They still do that? Yeah, like I think the thre- I'm not sure where the threshold is now. I'm sorry, but yeah, you still get a certain amount of like if you're working under a certain amount of times, you can. And just the way the system just cut me off straight like that. And I said to them, I said, "Look, you pay me that money tomorrow, or I'll be in there to make a claim to go on the new start because I can't get to my new job." Mm. And you were able to do that because you knew your rights. But the horrible reality is that a lot of Australians don't know their rights, and they take advantage of that. They assume that you don't know what you're entitled to, which is disgusting and evil, malicious. It's violent. More than really. that, they'll lie. It is. Yeah, they will lie. They'll deceive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, yeah, they'll do everything. And uh, sorry, I just went, went a bit blank there because I was just, you know, remembering how tough uh, a time it was uh, when I should have really been uh, quite ecstatic because I'd found a new job. I, I, you know, I th- here I was thinking that I was uh, on my way out of poverty and they just dragged me in for another couple of weeks. Now, another experience that, that I had during that time was a dreadful, and they were dreadful, I can't remember their name, I blocked it out, a dreadful uh, job network agency. Now, I can every time I went in for one of their meetings, I said, I want to get a forklift license. And they said, Oh, well, no, you, you're not in that category yet. I go, Well, how do I get into that category? I should be in that category. I want you to pay for a forklift license. It's 150 bucks, you know, uh, for, to, get it, to get it. I can't, I can't afford to spare it. And they go, Oh, how about you do this course? And I get in and it's a bloody resume course. But uh, can, can, can you, comrades, expand more on, on, on let, let, let's be straight, how crap some of these job network agencies and who are some of the worst offenders? Yeah, so basically, you know, you're absolutely right. The whole system is built on exploitation. And in your case, like, um, job seekers are entitled to what's called an employment fund. And that's pretty vague in what that sort of defines. That is something that, you know, anything that's going to help you get a job. So like, I've heard of, like, people, you know, having their um, uh, driver's licence paid for by the... Uh, uh, driving licence paid for by the job networks. Like, people going, like, inter- interstate uh, paid for all that. So they can pay for whatever they want. And, yeah, so basically, yeah, the whole thing is pretty much to, uh, set up to... Um, exploit and punish people for being poor because they, you know, can't really access... They can't really be a part of, you know, the workforce and all that. You know, they're not really productive workers, uh, you know, to keep capital flowing, essentially. So it's about punishment. And, yeah, so some of the worst are is... um. Well, the one that we've uh, targeted is Serena Rosso. So we've um, pretty much called for a boycott. And so how that works is you get four or five free transfers and you call the department department's customer service line... Which is which? The number is one eight hundred eight oh five two and uh, two six zero, and basically what that means they can transfer you on the spot, and they'll get you to pick another one through uh, in your area. So we're encouraging um, people if you're having issues with your job network transfer, but especially if you are with Serena Rosso, please transfer from that because we want to try and make them lose their contracts. Didn't she just buy another two million dollar property? Look, it wouldn't surprise me. I haven't really kept track, but 
would not shock me at all. While we're all living in poverty. Yeah, yeah, they're making profit out of poverty. I've got no money on my go-card. Yeah, and, and uh, she's about to buy another yacht. You know, it's... Uh, it's, y- yes, it's uh, well. We're here. We're here with you, comrades, and uh, that's why that's why we've called you on. We um, we're here. Four Triple Z and Workers Power is all about agitate, educate, organise, and uh, and part of that, uh, yeah, solidarity definitely falls falls within that. So, uh, uh, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, I, 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 we, we've got. Can you give us more stories about this uh, mutual obligation stuff, Jaden, or? Yeah, basically, I think, yeah, so, like, as well as the, um, you know, increased mutual obligations, I think a really important thing to talk about is basically they're bringing in basically a employer complaints hotline. So, essentially, what happens is, you know, employees can uh, dob in people who, you know, aren't uh, accepting, quote-unquote, suitable work. Um, and I think that's going to be a really, um, that could be a really big issue for us to deal with. But I think that does organise a lot, that, it does create a lot of campaigning opportunities for um, us and also good ways to get our base involved. So, um, yeah, but I know that's definitely something really dodgy that they're trying to put in and we all got to look out for that. Yes, the Dobbin line's actually something I'm going to be talking about on the Women's Day rally as well. Particularly for our uh, female listeners, I'm sure you've had an experience with a boss or an employer who's been creepy, who's made uh, sexual advances on you. It can be really scary um, and feel quite hopeless. This Dobbin line is going to make it even harder for women to refuse work that they don't feel comfortable in because it's an unsafe environment for women. So... If they get dobbed in for refusing that work, they could get their payments cut. So that's going to force them to take these jobs that are dangerous for them. I heard this. I did some excellent training for Rafa I was talking about last week. We did some excellent training last week. And um, I heard this this uh, a, a, a quote that I've, I've had a little bit of a look into and um, it's called lateral violence. And dobbing in a doll bludger is lateral violence 101. Mm. You know, it's kind of a divide and conquer uh, mentality. Your, your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, 100%. I think we should all prank call the line and clog it up and protest it as much as we can because it's disgusting. Radical action I hear there, Jackson. I think yeah. we'll be a part of that. Certainly. Um, quite a few people around. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But quite a few people around the country have also been talking about this independently. So I'm hoping to. Look, I haven't nothing to fish here, but I want to get to get. I want to get a, like a national roster happening, um, and we can do shifts or whatever, and just really clog this thing up. Absolutely, everyone's getting on board with this because this job seeker announcement affects everyone. It affects the whole country. It affects students. Yeah. It affects parents. It affects yeah. everyone. It just, yeah. Just something I really want to nail home with this quote-unquote raise. It's not a raise. It's a cut. It's I think a cut. The LMP, you know, are trying to you know, posture themselves. People, oh, look at us. We're so generous. We're, we've raised Job Seeker. No, you've raised Job Seeker by $3.57 from the original uh, Job Seeker, which was abysmal already. So, and especially in the context of a global pandemic and recession. Um, it's offensive. Yeah, this is not a raise. This is a $50 a fortnight or week cut. 
They demonstrated by increasing the payments over the past 12 months through COVID that they have the ability to pay us a decent amount. They've proven that they can afford it and now they're saying that they're choosing deliberately not to give us what we know they could because they don't care. Yeah, they don't. And uh, I had a, I had a bit of a... And I was chatting with, uh, with, with the doctor yesterday and... Uh, the, the the doctor came out with, um, oh, it's because we're in so much debt. And I've gone, I've got the, you, you comrades are going to love this. I said, to who? <laughs> and he just went blank and he didn't know where to go from there. Who do we owe this imaginary debt to, you know? so uh, and, and, and why is it more important than looking after working class people? Absolutely. Through this period of COVID, people have received payment uh, increases that have caused them to dramatically improve their own quality of life, being able to afford simple luxuries like shoes and socks and a go-card. It's improved health, it's improved mental health, and now they're going to rip it away from us. Yeah. For the and call it a raise. For the first time in over 20 years, people, people didn't have to choose between medication or food. Yeah, yeah. It's the same rate that I was getting, you know, in my early 20s back in the 90s. It's violence. Yeah. And people are going to suffer and die because of it. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, thank you guys so much for coming on the show and, and talking about this. It's very important to our workers. And, and, oh, just one last thing before you go, maybe you guys could comment on this. The, the job keeper. You know, the, the, the government incentives to, or shareholder keeper, we could nearly call it. Mm. Now, there's go, it, it ends soon, does it, Jaden? Yeah, um, oh, I want to say later on in March, but don't quote me on that it's, one. It, yeah, it's somewhere in around March. So uh, it, it, it would be remiss of us to, to not mention, um, you know, that the, there's a whole heap of people that uh, they've they got a chance of, 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 of becoming... Um, a, a job seeker, going from job keeper to job seeker. Uh, will AP- APN be standing in solidarity with these comrades? Absolutely. Like, look, the way job seeker was implemented was deeply flawed and just end up putting more and more um, money into the hands of, like, bosses and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, um, you know, uh, the workers do need support and we're going to absolutely stand in solidarity with, you know, workers in any way we can. And, uh, we're we're up to the stage where where could people find out more? You got uh, you got a Facebook page. You got a well. Have you been zucked like we were on workers' power? <laughs> no, we got. We do have a Facebook page. We also have drop-in hours. Uh, so yeah, every Monday. Uh, obviously, we didn't do it this Monday because Common House is closed. But from every Monday from four to seven. Um, people can come in and if they need help with advocacy, we can do that. If they just want to uh, get in, get involved, that, that's a good way to do it. Or if they just want to come in, have a look at our library, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, um, as Calypso said, uh, we have a Facebook page, Anti-Poverty Network Queensland. Uh, also feel free to give us a call on 04488 and we're happy to sort you out. And you, you can, uh, of course, put... Anti-Poverty Network Queensland into your Facebook search and, and you'll find it. If you're having trouble out there finding it, comrades, don't don't hesitate to message us uh, on Workers Power and get in touch with us um, and, and we'll, 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 we'll uh, head you along. Um, 
Well, well, thank you so much, comrades, for coming along and uh, plenty of action. Oh, 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 what's happening this Saturday again? So on the 8th of March at 1pm, King George Square, that's the International Working Women's Day action that we're doing in conjunction with feminist action. Bring a mask. Yeah, so right on. And uh, and then, then of course, there's action that, that we'll talk about uh, later on uh, on March 18th. So yeah, that's a good wrap-up. Thank you so much, especially to you, Calypso. Well done. Thank you. Your, your first time on radio, you did exceptionally well. Thank you very and, much, and, and And we here on Workers' Power really, really appreciate you coming on in this uh, important month and giving us a, a women's perspective on uh, on this issue. I am a woman, so I am qualified to comment. <laughs> yes, that's right. Huge thank you to Jaden and Calypso for that awesome interview about um, what dealing with the um, welfare system in this country, the punishing, terribly punishing welfare system, and as well as what it's just like to live in poverty in general. That's a great interview. Calypso did fantastically for a first time on radio. I'm a bit biased. I am her union rep, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, uh, that's the way it is, and uh, yeah, fantastic to to have them on um, as part of Anti Poverty Network, and as always, our regular contributor Jaden. Now, before we go on to Scallywag of the Week, you know, I know we've left ourselves a bit short. I want to quickly go through some events that are coming up, and these are just off the top of my head, so you might need to to do a little bit more research, comrades. Tomorrow, four thirty. Uh, um, I think it's called... What's that park across the road from Common House called? <laughs> the you. park across the road from Common House, That's 4.30. In Fortitude Valley. For, in Fortitude Valley. Uh, 4.30, Respecter having a, uh, a rally to... Uh, a, a solidarity rally to uh, um, fight back against the government's uh, draconian... Um, uh, laws for sex workers. Yeah, it's to recognise International Sex Workers' Rights Day. Yeah, oh, March the 3rd. Correct, you are. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, for those that don't know, Common House is 74B Wickham Street, uh, Fortitude Valley. So, across the road from there, 4.30 uh, tomorrow. Now, there's, uh, of course, we've mentioned the International Working Women's Day on Saturday. Um, get out to there. Now, another thing, this, this one's a little bit left field, but I, I'm enjoying, for us here at Workers' Power, but I, I think I'm going to enjoy the community connection on Sunday... It's uh, Clean Up Australia Day. Oh. Yeah, so uh, my mob, uh, the Ipswich Greens, are getting getting involved and uh, being a part of the community and we're going out to uh, Beval, I think it is. I think it's behind the Bunnings um, where a lot of lot of junk get, ends up and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and be a part of that, be a part of the community and... There's some others that come. Have you got any events that you quickly want to chuck in there? Uh, well, while we're talking about events, we might as well reiterate what we said at the start of the show about going out to Deebing Creek. They always need a lot of help, and um, you can, they especially need water, as you said. And also the people at Carby Dreaming, Dreaming which, uh, uh, no, from Carby Dreaming, they're at a sacred site called Jaki Kundu. They need help protecting their land. They also have a GoFundMe you can donate to. Um, and that's just a two-hour drive from Brisbane or a three-hour train ride from Roma Street. 
All right. Well, we we haven't left ourselves much time. Oh, yeah, we have got a couple of minutes. Like three, three, four minutes. Awesome. So uh, we're we're on to our world-famous scallywag of the week, and and this one we've got a real person of privilege. And uh, so drivers uh, are seeking respect, and uh, drivers generally, you know, they, they, they want respect, but then they get this. Visa Global Logistics drivers have stopped work. They're on the grass because their company has chosen not to negotiate. Drivers were told of a pay cut with 48 hours' notice. The company is crying, poor, oh, poor, poor, (laughs) poor us capitalists. We're having to work through this crisis. Now there is news of a company merger worth $1.2 billion. You can go and check out the Transport of Workers Union's uh, response on their uh, the TWU New South Wales page. But uh, for, for that type of grubby behaviour, now I've, I've looked up, I've, I've, I've looked up who this grub is. Oh, I've got to be careful. That's right, I've got to be careful here. I was nearly going to be. Uh, but uh, Simon Hardwidge who is the executive director at Visa Global Logistics, uh, based in Banks Meadow down in New South Wales, is our scallywag of the week. Not even wanting to negotiate. Now, we're going to be doing a lot more stories of this where bosses are not wanting to negotiate um, because... uh, they're, they're waiting for the for the laws to pass. They're waiting for this oh, omnibus, omnibus bill. Yeah. So they're all waiting for that. They'll they'll all refuse um, uh, unless unless you've got fifty one percent of the workforce, and then they've got no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say they, they, these comrades uh, see what can happen is you've got the drivers, and then you've probably got all the office workers, and 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 they'll argue that that they're all in in together. And that way the drivers can't accumulate enough power to force them to, to, to uh, um, uh, negotiate. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll get a, a message uh, from Peter Bujini if I've said anything wrong here. <laughs> um, but I hope, I hope that's right. And, uh, that's but look, interesting. It's like a microcosm of how our society separates like uh, privileged workers in general from the... Uh, the much poorer workers and like uses the poor workers to uh, threaten the privileged workers yeah. in a way. Too right, too right. So for all that grubby behaviour, um, Simon Hardwidge wins our scallywag of the week. Right. Well, that's about us. We've probably got enough time to play our last track, have we? Yeah. Right, well, uh, well, that was a fantastic, a bit, bit different format than what you're used to, comrades, but uh, um, we wanted to uh, be inv- be a bit more discussion-based uh, for uh, to uh, commemorate International Working Women's Day. Make sure you tune in next week. We've got a fantastic show. Um, I'll, I'll be in the background. Uh, I think, Jackson, you're, you're, you're busy studying because mm. it's uh, Hannah and crew will be taking over for the work international. No, we can't call it women's workers' power. So that's next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Um, and uh, Hannah will see you then.